Welcome to the Social Pros Podcast, the content marketing awards winner for best marketing podcast. This is where we shine the spotlight on real people doing real work in social media and learn the social secrets of the world's most interesting brands. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your social better. Emma, which provides innovative email marketing tools that drive brilliant results. Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers with integrated solutions for social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. And Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors. With Yext, update your location data once and publish it to your website, apps, over 100 publishers, including Google, Apple Maps, Facebook, Bing, and Yahoo. That's the power of location. That's Yext. Your Social Pros co-hosts are Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud and Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined again by my man, the myth, the legend, my special Texas friend, who I have not talked to in a couple of weeks. He is the executive strategist of Salesforce Marketing Cloud, the one, the only, Mr. Adam Brown. Jay, it is great to speak with you. I miss you, my friend. It's been a few weeks. Now, I don't want to get into the vagaries of the mysteries of how we record this, but some some weeks we record one or two podcasts. Sometimes we we go a week, but it's it's been a few weeks. So it's great to uh, great to catch up with you. It is great to be back on the microphone. Lots has happened. We have an amazing guest on the program we today. Uh, we're going to talk. It's going to be an interesting show because we're going to talk a little B2B. We're going to talk a little B2C. We're going to talk about what all the cool kids are doing. Uh, I could not be happier to have this guy on the show. We should have had him on the show a long time ago. Delighted we finally made it happen. He is the head of social media globally for BMC Software. You know him as Carlos Gill. Carlos, welcome to Social Pros. Thank you so much, Jay, for having me on the show. It's certainly long overdue, and I'm really excited for this episode. I'm also looking forward to uh, chatting a little bit about B2B social media, what I do at BMC Software, and uh, also we're going to talk a little bit about Snapchat, which is definitely a topic that I know has been weighing on the minds of marketers for the last several months. Tell folks uh, listening to Social Pros what BMC Software does. You guys are in a bunch of different businesses. Why don't you give them a little uh, a little preview? Yeah, so BMC Software is an enterprise IT solutions company. We have a global presence with over 6,000 employees. And some of the products that BMC is known for is IT Service Desk, um, as well as HR Case Management. And we work with 82% of the Fortune 500. So uh, BMC is a rather large company, and my role within the organization is to run social media. And as part of my job, and I know we're going to get to it here throughout this interview, is to go ahead and not only raise awareness for BMC in terms of who we are and the value that we offer to companies out there, but also drive sales and leads, otherwise known as demand, uh, through social. And that's in the United States and also beyond, yes? Yeah, so BMC has a global presence. We have offices throughout the world, and we have over 6,000 employees. And like I said before, uh, our clients make up 82% of the the Fortune 500. So uh, we have a a really large footprint, uh, not only within the U.S., but outside of it as well. 
what what does your team look like at, at BMC? And is there a content marketing team that does more content-ish things? And then you and your team do more of the social level things, or is it one team? How does that how does that work together? So I manage all things social media. My team is composed of um, content writers as well as community managers and social media managers. A lot of times in the B2B side, you get involved with social selling, uh, sort of the sales team using social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and beyond to to generate more leads, to nurture existing leads. Is that in place at BMC? Is that something that you guys have worked on, You know, actually holding the hands of the sales team to say, okay, look, here's how you use this for good, not evil? Yeah, absolutely. So what we've done since I came on board at BMC at the end of, of last year in July was we've rolled out an employee advocacy program. And it's called Be Social. And you can actually go to besocial.bmc.com uh, to look at the website. You won't be able to actually log in. But all BMC employees have access to this website. And we have about 6,000 employees around the world. And anyone, whether they're in sales or in HR, marketing, even if they're a developer, they can log in. And we have content that's curated and indexed by business unit. So think of BMC almost like a Procter & Gamble, like a CPG model, where within this one company, we have various business units. Each one of those business units have products. And then those business units each have their own sales teams. So we make it really easy for our employees to be able to go in, find content that's relevant for them, based on the business unit. And then we make it really easy for them to be able to share that content on LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook. Now, I will say, BMC employees, even before we launched Be Social, were already really dialed into social media, which for me, coming in from the outside, I previously worked at LinkedIn. Before that, I was at Save-A-Lot and at Winn-Dixie. This is the first company that I've, got, that I've worked at where I've seen so many employees around the world that are dialed into social. And perhaps, Jay and Adam, it's because it's a B2B environment and you know technically BMC is a vendor that's trying to sell. But our employees get it. They're publishing content on LinkedIn Pulse. They're actively engaging and retweeting and sharing content on Twitter. So what we've done essentially with Be Social is we've just helped our employees take their social game up a notch. And we've made it really easy for them to share. And most importantly for me as you know, kind of the architect of all things social media at BMC, it gives me an opportunity to look at the metrics. I see the metrics very closely. And I see how many of our employees are engaged and really what that is giving us in terms of incremental lift in clicks, impressions, engagements, and so forth. And uh, so far, I got to say, you know, everything is, uh, is working really well. And uh, it's really promising to see just our employees being engaged in social, which is something that you don't find at uh, every company. Are you using some sort of employee engagement software to to manage that effort? Uh, yeah, we are. Yeah, the the tool that we use it's uh, it's by Sprinkler. Um, so we uh, work very closely with them, uh, have a great relationship, and uh, they power the employee advocacy uh, side of the of the business. Outside of the employee advocacy piece of it, where where the metrics on that are fairly self-evident, how much do people share, how many clicks do they accumulate, et cetera, are, are there other sort of KPIs that, that are important to you when you look at social media globally? Are you looking at traffic? Are you looking at sentiment? Um, are you looking at, at fan acquisition? Um, what, what are the things that you are like, yep, those are numbers that, that matter to what we're trying to achieve here at BMC across the, across the globe? Yeah, you know, the what really matters in our environment is is two things. You know, one conversions in terms of website clicks. So while the impressions and the engagements are great on social, if we're not converting that traffic over to our website, then we're really missing the mark. 
Um, our end game is to try to sell more product, right? That's like like any brand out there. So how we do that is we have to drive people back to our website, really hook them with the content that lives on bmc.com. And we have a very healthy mix of awareness content and then demand content. So not everything that we post is hitting you over the head with a sales offer or a trial or a download for a white paper. A lot of the content that we post, let's say about 70% of the content that we post today is very much top of the funnel awareness. So uh, what does that mean for anyone you know, out there listening, it doesn't necessarily work in B2B. Well, our objective is to reach IT professionals and not just IT professionals, but senior IT decision makers. How we get there is the challenge that my team and I face. And that's through the content curation. So we have uh, content we put out on our website every day through our blog, which oftentimes talks about, you know, fun topics for our industry, like digital disruption. And we talk about things that are relative to an IT professional and an IT decision maker. And at the end of the day, what we really want this community to, to know is that you know, BMC has solutions that can essentially help make their jobs a lot easier. And uh, it's just like anything else, Jay and Adam. You, know, you got to build a relationship on social. You got to put out good content, drive them back to your website, and then you know, hope that they convert. But at the end of the day, if we're not driving clicks that then turn into actual leads for our sales team, like I said before, we're really missing the mark. Uh, who, who creates the blog posts? Is that your team or is it people across the enterprise? And how do you determine what, what topics should go on the blog? Yeah, good question. So my team manages the actual process of working with the business units, the business units, the various stakeholders, and then getting that content onto the blog. So ultimately, because we do have various business units and marketing managers that sit within those BUs, they work within their organization to create the content. And then they provide the content to my team and I, and then we get that content up on our blog. Because you've said that that sort of clicks and conversions are, are ultimately a big part of what you're trying to accomplish. That would typically lend itself to a paid component of your social program. Um, but as most people know, paid is a little trickier for B2B than for B2C. Uh, is, is paid part of what you're doing? Are you amplifying the blog? Are you, are you promoting tweets and, and paid LinkedIn, et cetera? Uh, yeah, we 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 use all the above, or we do all the above: uh, paid LinkedIn, paid Twitter, paid Facebook. You know, I think whether you're in B two B or B two C, that's just a a part of the game nowadays. You have to pay to play, right? Uh, but we do that, and um, you know, the great the advantage, if there is one, of doing paid, as you guys know, is targeting. We're able to really zero in on who we want to reach, who we want to see our content. And uh, we do, like I said before, a healthy mix of uh, promote awareness content as well as demand content. What's interesting about that is, is almost everybody we have on the show now, of course, uh, talks about the importance of paid and that organic reach is dead and all these things that we know. But what, what I find fascinating is that as paid becomes more and more a part of the social strategy uh, at enterprise scale, what you need to execute on those kind of programs are not necessarily social skills. It's it's data analytics and and essentially media buying skills. And so, Adam, I'd love for you to weigh in on here because you've you've had uh, you've walked a mile in uh, in similar shoes. Mm-hmm. At, at what point does paid social become not social's responsibility but the agency's responsibility? Because essentially, it's advertising that you're buying no different than radio, TV, print, or outdoor. No, I completely agree. And I think that is one of the the kind of the biggest transformations I think we're starting to see 
in the social space is these different skill sets. You know, we, Jay, uh, Carlos, if you, if you listen to the show, you know, we oftentimes talk about kind of the, the storytelling, that the content is king and that everything kind of emanates from that, you know, whether it's employee advocacy, like uh, Carlos, you, you're, you've been talking about what you're doing there at BMC, whether it's uh, it's the paid activities, whether it is in, indeed the, the organic you know, the biggest challenge right now, and I think where we're seeing the technology catch up, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Carlos, is empowering the social media professional with the analytics where I think all the tools, you know, whether it's whether it's our tools at, at Marketing Cloud or Sprinkler or Spreadfast or any of the other other players. And now it's the media buying tools. You know, having the tools is one thing, but having those skills that people who specifically buy media day in and day out and are buying the other media set pieces, your television, your out of home, your broadcasts, et cetera, bringing all those things to, uh, together. Carlos, do you see that there's a distinction kind of in the higher tech or the B2B space in doing that, that media buying? Or um, how do you interact with your agencies? How do you interact with the, the folks who are actually buying media on behalf of, of BMC Software? Yeah, you know, it's it's a partnership. And I think that's the key to success in, in media buying or even working with agencies just in general is they are a strategic partner. They're an extension of your team. And if you're not working in unison uh, and you're not communicating with each other, then you're just setting yourself and them up for failure. And uh, we work very closely with our agency partners. And we work with the media buying agency here in San Francisco. And we have conversations throughout the day. And, and again, I really look at, at these folks as an extension of my team, even though they're not necessarily on the BMC payroll. Uh, because the way ultimately that you know they're graded and I'm graded is based on results. And if we're not driving results, uh, and we can't answer to our CMO how our investments generated a return, you know, then that reflects poorly on all of us. So, you know, I'll be the first to say, when it comes to paid social, um, that's not an area of expertise for me, necessarily. So that's where I will work very closely with an agency that has some of these higher, uh, you know, level relationships with the publishers directly, or, you know, they do this for other clients, so they can help us optimize, they can help us A-B test, you know. So in terms of how, you know, my team and I work directly with the agency, Adam, uh, I think to answer your question, is we analyze on our end what content's performing the best. So we use the tools that we have access to to see, in terms of awareness content, what blog posts are performing the best? What articles are performing the best on, de- on the demand side? What ebooks? What white papers? And then based on organic performance, then we know if we put dollars behind this, that we're going to be able to go ahead and take it to another level and show more conversion. Uh, which conversion is ultimately what guides us. You know That is the holy grail. So... Where we see success in working with the agency is they're able to help us with things like targeting, um, able to target certain subsets, able to A-B test when it comes to images, headlines. Um, so I'd say for anyone out there listening to this, leverage your agency partners. Look at them as an extension of your team because these are folks that are extremely skilled in their, in their area of expertise. And they can really help you take your social game uh, to greater heights. Carlos, I know one of the things you often talk about on your podcast and in your speeches and lectures is this idea that, that social media folks sometimes aren't as good as being practitioners. And I think that dovetails very nicely into what we're talking about here. So my, my question for you is this, you know, what is that right balance of a social media professional who is indeed having to do, as, as Jay teed up, 
paid media activities. Is it easier to take someone who knows the media world and the paid advertising space and train them on how to effectively do social, how to be a great social storyteller, how to be authentic and genuine, how to use the right platforms and tools? Or is it better and easier to take somebody who knows all those nuances of our industry and our profession as as social pros and train them on how to be an effective media buyer, media negotiator, and overlay on top of the much larger media buys that, that larger companies like BM Software do every day? Well, you know, I think being a practitioner is it's where it's at. If you really want to set yourself apart as a marketing professional, as a social media marketer, what you know, what have you, you have to be playing in the sandbox. And I'm a big sports guy, so I like to use this analogy. I consider myself a player's coach. And what do I mean by that? Yeah, I know how to coach a team to success, but I also know how to play the game because I immerse myself in the technology. When I come home from work, I actually use it. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook. Um, you know, in terms of things like paid social, I've run campaigns for myself. You know, I know we're going to talk about Snapchat here in a little bit, uh, but I, you know, I've run paid social campaigns to amplify my Snapchat presence. You know, these are things that, as a professional, if you are not taking the time to immerse yourself in the technology that you are guiding a team, and in some cases, spending millions of dollars in ad budget, um, then you're really missing the mark. And I think what really sets the good marketers apart from the the average ones nowadays is you know whether they're a practitioner or not and, and it's something i firmly believe in you know going forward you know as i speak at different conferences and you know have a stage you know, that's one of the things you're going to hear me talk a lot about is you have to be a practitioner nowadays because let's face it there's a whole crop of digital natives that are just coming out of college now that've grown up with this in their blood and uh you have to be using it in order to really be able to make sound recommendations in your day job yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's why even though I spend a lot of my time writing books and giving speeches now, we still have a very large consulting company because you need that in order to actually know what's going on. It's hard to give a speech when you don't really know what's happening in the trenches. And in fact, one of our clients, full disclosure, used to be BMC Software. We actually uh, did the, the first uh, foray into the employee advocacy program that uh, Carlos and his team launched uh, last year. Uh, Carlos, I couldn't agree more about about the need to be a practitioner one of the things that you mentioned a second ago, I think is really fascinating about that though, is that, is that you, Carlos Gill, as an individual are, are now well known in social media circles and beyond as a Snapchat uh, practitioner and, and certainly a, a very um, aggressive proponent of Snapchat as, as a platform. Uh, you've got a lot of traction there. You do an amazing, amazing job, not only with your own snaps, but also um, sort of being um, uh, somebody who, who was sort of, shining the spotlight on Snapchat as a powerful platform now and in the future. But what I find really fascinating about that is that is that BMC isn't really on Snapchat, nor is it probably part of the immediate plan because of the type of clients you have and enterprise IT managers is probably not Snapchat's core audience, at least not yet. And so you are a practitioner on a channel that is not actually relevant for your employer, at least not today. And d- does that seem strange at all? Because it kind of seems strange to me. <laughs> you know, so, so for a lot of folks out there, they they've actually said the same thing. They're like, you know, how's how's BMC feel that you are as all in on Snapchat as you are when BMC as a company isn't even on Snapchat? He, he, it goes back to being a practitioner. In order for me to sit face to face with my CMO, who's a very sharp guy, in order for me to sit face to face with him and make a recommendation as to here's why we need to be on Vine, here's why we need to be on Twitter, here's why we need to be on Snapchat, I have to know how how this works. I have to know the inner workings of how these platforms work before I make an educated 
recommendations. So, you know, a lot of my time that I spend on Snap and seeing the inner workings of the engagement and the metrics and how you click out and how you convert from Snapchat over to website. In full disclosure, guys, it's because as a practitioner and marketer, I need to know these things. And you know, you're right. You know, for a company like BMC that's you know a B2B tech, you know, IT and tech vendor, Snapchat probably isn't going to be as effective. Or I don't want to say probably, it's not going to be as effective as a LinkedIn or as a Twitter. However, when you start talking about things like talent acquisition, employee branding, or employer branding, that's where I think Snapchat kind of puts a different spin on marketing. And what I say to anyone out there who's looking to develop a Snapchat strategy for their organization is take the silos of your organization. So what do I mean by that? Take your sales silo, take your marketing silo, take your HR silo, and determine how can social media help these various organizations? Because there's no one-size-fits-all. We hear that often. Um, there's no one-size-fits-all. There's no silver bullet to social media. So while Snapchat might not necessarily work for sales at BMC or other companies in our space, it could very well work for HR as a tool that they can use to engage you know, candidates to show what the experience of a day in the life at BMC is. And you know, I will say something because the demographic skews so heavily on younger millennials on Snapchat for any organization out there that's trying to you know, drive more of a, we want to reach a younger audience professionally, or we want to reach a younger audience to have them come work for us. You should be probably looking at Snapchat. So again, you know, while it's very easy to rule out, oh well, you know, BMC's B two B tech, Snapchat's not a place for them. You know, that's where I start to kind of dig a little bit deeper and 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 you know have conversations with HR because you know it's all from the lens that you look at. And the same applies, you know, for other platforms, even for employee advocacy. You know, we saw when we were launching our employee advocacy program last year, you have to sell directly to the organizations of your business and you have to justify the why. Why is it important specifically for them? And if you get past that hurdle and get buy-in, then using the platform, you know, just becomes human nature. I, I, I think that that insight there, Carlos, is, is really powerful. And it, when you're looking at, at Snapshot and probably any uh, social media platform for that matter, but not looking at it how brand X can use Snapchat, but more how the individual departments and organizations and individual stories. I love that. Look at it from an HR standpoint. How can we use this with recruiters? How can we use this uh, with with retention from uh, from a product standpoint? Maybe it's one of the product leaders, you know, talking about a product. But but getting down into more of a granular message, a granular story, uh, can really help bubble up those I think opportunities. Yeah, you know, I think as as okay. marketers. As marketers, we're constantly looking for ways that we can we can use social to convert. And you know, it's something throughout this throughout this podcast, I've you know mentioned conversion being you know the holy grail for us at BMC, and rightfully so. But you know, I think when you look at a platform like Snapchat, it is multidimensional, and it's not just a platform for marketing. It's a communication platform. You know, at the core, a lot of people like to say that Snapchat is a storytelling platform. I look at it as a messaging platform. And honestly, guys, I compare it to Twitter meets YouTube. So where I'm going with this is if you have developers at a company like BMC on Snapchat, now there's a way for others to actually use our products to be able to communicate with them in a much more humanistic form than just putting out a tweet for support or reaching out to someone through LinkedIn. Now you have a tool where you can go back and forth through text, through video. So again, it's really just looking at the use case of how can you use the platform to benefit you and your organization. 
We're, we're lucky to have someone like you, Carlos, on the uh, on the show who is a, uh, a, a, a Snapchat aficionado. And I want I want to ask you, and you kind of dissected it even just in that response um, that you just that you just shared. But what is it about Snapchat, in your opinion, that is is making it? you know, the, the, the platform that's having the success that it is. I mean, is it, is it about the immediacy of the content? Is it because it's video? You know, is it a kind of a perceived voyeurism because you're, you're kind of being able to, to see, you know, the raw kind of unedited, unhighly produced content? What, in your opinion, is making it so successful? And as, especially, as you said, as you try to reach you know, younger audiences, millennials, uh, et cetera. You know, everything that you just said, all the above is spot on. I would say from my perspective, why Snapchat is a force to be reckoned with is it creates a sense of urgency to see content. And what I mean by that is that content that you post on Snapchat disappears within 24 hours. And trust me, guys, I've gotten into this debate with a lot of marketers over the last specifically six to eight months. A lot of marketers will say, well, we want our content to stick around because of SEO value. And we want people to come back and view our content. Well, l- let's face it, as consumers, you know, not speaking as a marketer right now, just speaking as a, as a sheer consumer, take a brand that you really love. And I'm going to just use Nike as an example. I can't remember when was the last time I went to Nike's Facebook page to see what they posted a week ago or a month ago. So that's the context that I put it into from a marketing and also a consumer standpoint is people want to be engaged right now in real time because that's the way that we're being conditioned. You go on your Facebook, you look at what's in your newsfeed, you react on based on the first four or five posts in your newsfeed. Same thing for Twitter, same thing for LinkedIn. So Snapchat creates a sense of urgency that if someone does not view your content today, they're going to miss out on it because tomorrow it's going to be gone. And tomorrow it's going to be the next post or the next story. So I think because that component is there, there's the psychology aspect of Snapchat that is unrivaled by other social networks. And the, and the math shows um, that that it is a real deal. Carlos, you know, I, I wrote a blog post a week or so ago on Convince and Convert, uh, citing some data from Edison Research uh, and their Infinite Dial study, b- which really turned a lot of heads. It got a lot of run in the industry, this post that I wrote, partially because uh, the math shows that Snapchat has more active users than Twitter. It has more active users than Pinterest, and it has more active users than LinkedIn. Snapchat grew as much last year as Twitter has in the last four years combined. Mm-hmm. Now, is it true that that Snapchat is particularly strong amongst a younger demographic? Of course, that's true. Um, is it is it true that Snapchat isn't necessarily a B two B opportunity today? Yes, that is true. Uh, but but this is not a niche play anymore, folks. Um, we'll make sure to link up the blog post in the show notes to make sure you can see the data. Uh, but look, I, I'm I'm somebody who's been in digital marketing now. For for almost 25 years. I am not one to jump on a bandwagon just because I think it's neat or cool or fun. In fact, usually it's the opposite. Uh, but but this data proves without a shadow of a doubt um, that Snapchat is here and it is here to stay. Um, so Carlos is exactly right. If you want to be a social media practitioner, if you want to be a marketing practitioner, you don't have to hang your hat on Snapchat the way that Carlos has and has sort of built himself into a thought leader based on that platform. The same way that Mari Smith built herself into a, into a thought leader using 
Facebook as her sort of thought leadership fulcrum, you don't have to go to that level. And I'm not suggesting that you do because Carlos have already beat you to the punch, but uh, you need to understand that this is for real. This is not a joke. This is not going to go away. This is not a niche. This is not a snapshot in time. Uh, Snapchat is the second most important social network in the United States. Yep. And, and, and let's also address the facts that, you know, millennials they're they're going to grow up. They're getting older, and as millennials grow older, their buying capacity increases. So, for any brand out there that just automatically rules out Snapchat, you know, you're basically saying we don't want to do business with a demographic that's expected to outspend baby boomers next year by 2017. <laughs> yeah. So that's well, what's right crazy about that. It's not even it's not even their propensity to spend. It's just the size of that cohort. Like people don't talk about this enough that that that. Millennials are larger than Gen X, which is Adam and I's generation, larger than Gen X and Gen Z combined. Combined. Mm-hmm. So, so it's it is like this enormous pig through the snake, um, to use a typical uh, demographical analogy, uh, that that is really hard to fathom, right? So, you know, yes, there's obviously an enormous amount of talk about about millennials, and rightfully so. Um, and yes, they are growing up. That's true. But just the, there are so many of them that that even if they operate with anything close to homogeny, uh, it is a force to be reckoned with. So uh, it is it is going to be exciting. That is for sure. Also exciting, ladies and gentlemen, this week's sponsors of Social Pros. You see how I did that transition? I've that been doing nice. this for five years. I've been doing this for five years, man. I'm not I'm not a rookie. So this week. The Big Social Pros Podcast brought to you, as always, by our good friends at Salesforce Marketing Cloud, who have the eternal wisdom to hire and continue to employ Adam Brown. Uh, you need to download their free ebook called Hashtag Winning at Social, Four Steps to Enhance Your Social Media Strategy. Uh, they've got all kinds of recommendations in there on how to use one-to-one customer journeys in social across all organizational touch points to achieve what you want to achieve. A lot of the things that Carlos has talked about in terms of using uh, customer journeys to to generate clicks and conversions, things like that. That's what you'll learn in this book. Go to convinceandconvert.com slash 27. That's convinceandconvert.com slash the number 27 for the Winning at Social ebook from our friends at Salesforce Marketing Club. Also this week, I uh, want to make sure that you know about the new ebook from our friends at Emma. Go to myemma.com slash click. That's myemma.com dot com slash click to get this book the simple psychology behind a great call to action so Emma, terrific email marketing company. Uh, they did a bunch of research on across their entire customer base to figure out, hey, if you're going to do a call to action, uh, what's the what's the best color for the button? Should it be should it be red? Should it be yellow? Should it be green? Um, they're doing that kind of research and and where should buttons be placed and uh, what you know what are all the different sort of specific calls to action that can increase your conversion rate? So it's called Why We Click: The Psychology Behind a Great Call to Action. You can get it at myemma.com/click. And this week also sponsored by our friends at Yext. Uh, look, if you have a physical location, right? So if you have a business with any sort of physical locations, you have to use Yext. Uh, their ability to help you manage your local data to make sure that Google knows what time you're actually open. And so does Foursquare, and so does Yahoo, and so does CitySearch and all these places. They take all of that drama, and trust me, if you have a local location, you know this, it is full of drama. They take all of that, make it super easy, crazy simple dashboard to help keep your uh, listings data accurate across all the different platforms. They also help you surface ratings and reviews, which are incredibly important. Go to offers.yext.com 
slash social pros. That's offers.yext.com slash social pros to learn more about those guys. Thanks as always to Yext for sponsoring the show. Adam, back to you. Carlos, it is so great to have you uh, on the, the show today. Global Head of Social Media at BMC Software. And looking over your very respectful and uh, impressive resume, you know, I, I see some kind of consistencies in, in, in kind of your kind of bring up and uh, and move with me. You know, you have kind of gone from from very high tech where you are right now to to lower tech uh, businesses, but using very much high tech and social media to to do that. You mentioned uh, uh, being in the, the the grocery you know business with with Win Dixie and, and things like that, and going from BMC, much like I know I kind of went from Coca Cola to uh, to Dell. I used to say you know I went from from sodas to soft uh, sodas to servers <laughs> like to that. Salesforce, whatever I do next. Um, you know if if if, if you know the, my my Salesforce gig doesn't work out and, and Jay, you know we don't do this show anymore. It's going to have to start with a uh, with an S. But I'm curious, Carlos, what you've been able to learn. Obviously, very different audiences, uh, a very B2C to a B2B play uh, in those two examples. What consistencies have you seen with what works in social media? And then what are some things that, you know, as it relates to B2B that you've really had to kind of tweak or retool to have the level of efficacy that you've had at BMC Software? Yeah, great question, Adam. You know, what I've le- first of all, I've learned a whole heck of a lot working for four marketing departments and four companies in the last five years. Uh, but you know, the biggest lesson in all of this is everyone's a buyer. So there's this myth that B two C and B two B operate completely different. And, and guys, you know, I want to demystify that on this podcast and say everyone out there is a buyer. The only thing that changes between B2B and B2C is the audience that you speak to. And that's going to be the same for, you know, you're going to speak to a different audience at every industry and, you know, every brand out there essentially, but the audience that you speak to and the product that you're essentially trying to get people to buy. So when I was at Winn Dixie, we were trying to reach moms. We were trying to reach moms to, to bring them into our stores to buy groceries at discounted prices. Today at BMC, we're trying to reach IT professionals to try to sell them, you know, servers and you know, enterprise IT technology and software. So the biggest thing is knowing who your audience is. As long as you know who you are marketing to, then you're going to use the, the right platform to reach them. Because when I was at Winn-Dix again, we would use Pinterest at BMC. We're using LinkedIn. Um, once you know your audience then you know the platform and you create content that's specific and relevant to them. And as long as you are doing those three things really right, everything else just kind of seems to fall into place. But you know, metrics and, and analytics, it's extremely important too. And you know, I'm a big proponent in, in measurement. And if you're not growing in terms of your clicks, your impressions, your engagements, your awareness, then you're not giving your community what they want. And at the core, guys, you know, it might sound cliche, but the key word in social media is social. You have to socialize. You have to build a community while content is king. I'm a huge proponent of community. And if you're not giving your community what they want, it's going to show in the numbers. And uh, I, I think, again, as a marketer, it's your job to be a practitioner, to really study this and use it to then be able to, at your organization, um, you know, make it successful and effective. One of the things we were talking about a little bit earlier was this kind of convergence of of paid, earned, and owned media, and that you know your team is now having to to do more more paid activities. Carlos, do you see the same convergence, maybe even 
as you just said, with kind of B2B and, and B2C. I think if you hearken back to the previous generation of, of marketers, the way that you marketed a B2B product was very different. You had trade publications. Uh, you never did traditional advertising. But you know, I can watch TV you know, last night and see an ad for Microsoft Cloud you know, during Better Call Saul. I mean, that's, that's not a product the average consumer purchases. So do you believe, you know, to your point of knowing your audience, that these walls and these kind of protocols that we've used for B2B versus B2C are, are, are coming down. And it's, it's less about the, the platform or the channel because we can be so targeted with, with all of them. And even the idea that an IT decision maker, which is your audience at, at BMC Software, these are men and women who watch TV and watch Better Call Saul uh, as well. So how, how do you kind of reconcile with that? So, so the key is knowing how to speak to your audience on the platforms. And where I'm going with that is, let's face it, the same audience that we're trying to reach on LinkedIn is also on Facebook. You know, most people nowadays are on Facebook, yeah. but the way that they use LinkedIn and Facebook is completely different. So when someone is at home in the evening hours using Facebook, chances are they don't necessarily want to see an ad in their newsfeed from a tech vendor because they're already used to seeing that on LinkedIn. So how you get that market share, how you get their attention has to be probably a little bit more creative. Your images have to stand out. Your message has to probably be much more fan-friendly than what you would post on LinkedIn. So I think that's that's the major key to success is knowing how to speak to your audience on these various platforms. Because let's face it, guys, as consumers... The way we're using LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, Instagram, and Facebook is completely different. And we're also using these platforms at different times of the day. How, do you, how and where do you think this is, is going? If, if we could, the three of us, kind of put on our you know, magic hats and gaze into the social media crystal ball, do you think, uh, Carlos, if we were sitting here this time next year, um, we would be talking about Snapchat and, and using it even for B2B activities more? Is there another platform that's kind of coming down? Will we, we be doing less on Twitter or less on, on Facebook? Kind of where, where do you think this is, is going and what recommendations would you give to the social pros who are listening so that they can kind of stay right there on the, uh, the, the, the front of that curve, much like you're on the, the curve for Snapchat? You know, I, I would say my advice for anyone who's sitting on the sidelines is just jump into Snapchat and start using it. Um, one of the easiest ways to get started on Snapchat is as soon as you sign up, have Snapchat crawl the address book on your iPhone or on your Android. And immediately, you're going to see that you have friends already on the platform. Connect with them and start engaging. So I'll be completely honest with you guys. I don't follow many, if any, brands on Snapchat, but I use it as a medium that has replaced how I used to engage on Twitter. I used to use Twitter a lot for direct messaging. That engagement has now moved over to Snapchat. And, and quite frankly, guys, it's helped me expand and build relationships with guys like you, Jay, who are now on Snapchat as well. Um, so I would say for any marketer out there, just get on the platform and start using it. Snapchat's not going away. It's going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to gain momentum. Their valuation, I think someone told me last week, was right around $16 billion and it's continuing wow. to grow. I think, guys, the way that we will start using social media going forward, though, is going to change. And where I'm going with this is virtual reality is right around the corner. So Oculus, owned by Facebook, 
is going to go ahead and change and monumentally shift how we as marketers speak to our audiences and how as consumers we take in content. So I think that's really where we need to start we need to start looking ahead at immerse yourself in this technology, start studying on where it's going because Facebook and Snapchat and these various platforms as we know today as being desktop and mobile based a year to 2 years from now might be all based on a headset where we're literally seeing someone in front of us. So um, in terms of recommend, in terms of uh, where I see overall this going, I think it's going to be much more integrated um, in our lives than what it is today, which is kind of hard to believe because let's face it, we walk around with our social networks in our hands you know, throughout the day on an iPhone. Well, it'd be amazing to see if we can get to the point where, where VR is, is built into some sort of device that we already possess. Like I love Rift and I love Google Cardboard and all the different permutations, but it's such a pain in the ass. Like I'm not going to carry that around. Um, and, and so we've got to get to the point where where VR is is already in our pocket. We don't have to have like a separate bulky device. And obviously people way smarter than us are, are working on it. Um, Carlos, I want to ask you two questions that we ask every single uh, guest here on the show. And then we'll wrap it up. First question is, if you could give people just one tip, uh, people who want to become a social pro, what tip would you give them? Start engaging. Um, go on a platform like Twitter. I know we've talked a lot about Snapchat on this episode, but Twitter is where it's at. If you want to just jump into the social media marketing space, you can learn from folks like yourself, you know, Jay. Um, you, know, you can engage with folks like myself. You know, use Twitter as a platform to identify... Who in your industry or who in the industry that you want to jump into is, you know, viewed as a thought leader and just start engaging with them, learn from them. You know, you know, Jay, you might not know this, but I've been following you since 2012 when I was at Winn-Dixie. You know, in terms of like the social media marketing space, like you were one of the first people that I really started to look at very closely and it's made a big impact in my career. So you know, I think anyone out there that has aspirations to jump into this space, I talked about being a practitioner, but even before you become a practitioner, you have to start learning from some of the giants out there. And I think Twitter is a great start. Oh, that's very nice of you. Thank you, Carlos. I appreciate that very much. Last question for you, Carlos Gill, Snapchat legend and head of social media for BMC Software. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? It's a very good question. I would do a Skype call with uh, with President Obama, and uh, I know some folks out there might be scratching their head, uh, but you know, I, I think uh, being able to sit down and speak with uh, with a president, uh, you know, a living president, and especially someone who's been as uh, iconic as President Obama, being our first African American you know, president in U.S. history um, is, is a conversation I'd love to have. And, you know, the reason why and where I'm going with this is, you know, I'm a, I'm a younger Hispanic millennial um, who's had to scratch and claw his way through corporate America. And there's been a lot of times where I haven't necessarily fit the mold of your prototypical professional right out of college. You know, I, I've made mention of it before I don't have a degree. Um, so being that, you know, I viewed myself as kind of a different figure trying to make his mark in corporate America. I look at someone like like President Obama as, uh, you know, as, as, as a figure that's also had to deal with adversity. So I'd love to just sit down and, you know, chat with him uh, about what that has been like for him. You know, obviously on a completely different scale, but, you know, definitely there's things there that, that I can relate to. Uh, that's a great answer. Uh, that would be fantastic. Um, let's make it happen. Get, get him on let's the show. make it happen. Yeah. Probably out of office. I think probably is more likely scenario to get uh, uh, Barack Obama on the Social Post show. Second uh, week of January. Tough. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. When he's got nothing to do, he's got to be just like playing golf and giving speeches at that point. We can make that happen. That's uh, that's not a problem. Uh, actually, Carlos, I have one other question for you. Let's do it. Which is, uh, what is the best way for people who really do want to get sort of the the primer on Snapchat who haven't really dove in there too much. What's the best way for them to learn? I know you've got some resources along those lines. Our friend, Brian Fanzo has some resources. What, 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 what do you recommend that people kind of read first, if you will, or watch first before they jump into the deep end of the pool? You know, there's a lot of content out there. And you mentioned, you know, Brian Fanzo's created some, some really good content. Sean Ayala, someone else has created awesome content. You know, I have a YouTube channel. If you go to youtube.com forward slash Carlos Gill TV, I've created several YouTube or, or several Snapchat tutorials. Um, everything from a beginner's guide to just jumping in, getting started to much more advanced tactics around engagement, you know, how to create stories and so forth. So definitely, you know, check out my YouTube channel. I'd really appreciate it. Um, and there's just a lot of resources out there. Um, you know, when when in doubt, Google it. And uh, <laughs> you know, I'd also I'd also well say said. leverage your network. So uh, you know, le- like I've reached out to UJ. I reach out to a lot of folks in the space. When I first find out through a Facebook post, ironically, because it's funny, right? Everyone's jumping on Snapchat, but everyone's talking about it on Facebook. Yep. <laughs> so anytime in our social media marketing space, I see that someone's new to Snapchat, I'll just reach out to them. And I'll just say, hey, how that's got to drive out? Facebook so crazy, right? They've got to be like, you know, when it when people uh, change their profile photo as well. My Twitter profile photo is now my uh, my Snapchat ghost, and yours is as well in, in multiple places. That's got to drive those. I'm sure they don't even care about whatever, but I'm sure you know, in, in private, they're like, wait a second, people are using somebody else's uh, avatar in a different network as their face in this channel. That's got to be really annoying. But you know, it's 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 also amazing how that happens because I think it shows. That that we are all integrated and weaved in within various networks and they play various roles in our lives. So, you know, granted we're using Snapchat to create stories, but then we're going over to Facebook and we're having conversations with our friends as a group about that experience. And, you know, the other day when Kim Kardashian joined Snapchat, it was trending on Twitter, which I thought was fascinating. That again, yep. people are flocking to Twitter to talk about Kim K joining Snapchat. Yeah. So, amazing. From a marketing standpoint, kind of bringing it back to, you know, piecing this together to marketing, you know, it just goes to show that as a brand or as a marketer, you know, it's all about multi-channel touch and you have to be speaking to your audience on multiple channels out there. But the key is to create content native to each platform to keep people wanting to come back to Snapchat or to your Twitter or Facebook, etc. Yep. I love it. Carlos, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate uh, your expertise and a great conversation. Congratulations on the excellent work at BMC and uh, and your side gig as a Snapchat uh, influencer. We'll make sure to link up uh, the YouTube channel and all that stuff so people can uh, can dive in. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. You bet. Ladies and gentlemen, that's another episode of your favorite podcast, Social Pros, the show for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. He is Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud. And we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Emma, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext. And is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Social Pros at marketingpodcast.com the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by Audio Bag Network.